The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoriati Show. I am your host, Nicholas Gregoriatis, and I hope wherever you are in the world that this message finds you happy and healthy. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I hope you're enjoying the start of your summer. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope the winter isn't too tough. I have a wonderful guest for you guys today. You know, when you've been around the personal development world for long enough, you start to recognize that there are two types of people. There are those that have it and those that don't, or those who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk and those who walk the walk as well. And my tolerance for those who don't walk the walk is it's pretty much non-existent. I just have zero tolerance for bullshit. It's kind of like martial arts. I've been in martial arts long enough to know what works and what doesn't work and what's bullshit and what isn't bullshit. And I have zero tolerance for the bullshit martial arts. It's the same with people telling me or anyone else how they should live their lives or giving them input on how to live their lives. I've developed a sense now where I can basically, because of my own experiences, I can tell what what works and what doesn't, or at least I have a very good instinct about what's going to work or what doesn't. And also I can tell a lot about the person based on my interactions with them. And my guest today, obviously he has it or he wouldn't be on the show. And he gives us some really interesting stories about his life and some some action steps on what we can take to improve our lives. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind you guys about my two sponsors. If you appreciate this podcast and I'm sure you've realized by now how much work goes into it. You know, it takes a lot of work and money to keep the show going. And I put a lot into it. I want to bring you guys the very best. So if you appreciate the show and you want to thank me in any way or express your gratitude in any way, the best way you can do that is by supporting my sponsors. The first one is Bub's Naturals. Bub's Naturals is a line of natural health supplements that are absolutely superb. My favorite product of theirs is their collagen. So collagen is primarily composed of amino acids. And an interesting stat I found out recently is that amino acids make up 20% of your body. I had no idea that that much of you was made up of amino acids. It blew my mind. So when you take collagen, not only does it give, give you these building blocks for your tissues, it's in a very specific form that your body can utilize very well and that we usually don't have access to in our our standard diets. I've also noticed I have better sleep when I take a couple of scoops of Bub's Naturals Collagen before I go to bed. And I've definitely noticed an improvement in my skin texture and also my joints as well. Many martial artists listen to the show. And if you're a martial artist and you're in your late 30s or early 40s or older, like I am, you I'm sure have figured out that your joints need all the help they can get. There's a saying I love, you're only as old as your joints. So keep them as young as possible by taking some collagen and try the best collagen on the market by Bubs Naturals. Head on over to Bubs Naturals, that's B-U-B-S naturals.com 
and use the coupon code NICG20, that's N-I-C-G-20, to get 20% off their collagen or their MCT oil or their apple cider vinegar gummies or any uh, one of their other awesome products. My second sponsor is my spiritual mentor, Rocco Jarman. If you're a longtime listener of the show, or even a recent listener of the show, I'm sure you've heard at least one of his episodes. The guy is a genius. There's no other way to put it. He's an absolute genius. And he understands human psychology on a level that I don't think anybody else does, right? There is no one I would rather go to if I had some pressing psychological challenges or spiritual issues that I needed to have worked on. He is the man to speak to about that kind of stuff. He's got an amazing podcast as well. And he also does one-on-one work with people and, and group work as well. So head on over to eyeswideopenlife.org to find out more about his work. Okay, guys, let's jump into the episode with Steve Sasari. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Please welcome Steve Sasari, who is a recovering entrepreneur and now a trusted advisor. And I think we could probably build the whole show around that, that title, Steve. I'm super excited to hear about that. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me and excited to be here today. And uh, again, I, I just love talking to men about men issues and, and men's problems and men's challenges and then how uh, we can overcome them. Because, you know, what's really cool, Nick, and I know you've been doing this long enough to know that we, we have a lot of things uh, similar as men that we struggle with. And the problem with men is we all think we're the only ones that struggle with it. And so, uh, uh, especially as we get into the corporate world or entrepreneurial world, uh, it seems the higher we uh, achieve success, the more isolated we become and you don't have people speaking truth into your life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when I say trusted advisor, that's, that's literally how I uh, position myself and what I really try to become to the clients Mm -hmm. I I choose to work with. Yeah. And and part of being a trusted advisor, as you said, is sometimes it's it's not saying what um, they they want to hear and what they would want to hear to like you. It's sometimes calling them on their bullshit, right? Sometimes you just got to do that. And a lot of times people don't have people that will speak truth into their life. And, you know, somebody told me a long time ago that God's favorite color is transparent. And so, you know, what I try to do is lead by example. And I just don't share, you know, the good and the successes of my life. I share the good, the bad and the ugly. And I really think I've learned more lessons from the bad and the ugly than I have from the good. And so, uh, again, the more I think you can be open and transparent with each other and let down your, you know, your man guard that we have up that we like everybody to think we all have our act together. We're not struggling with any problems. And even if we did, we're not going to let you know about it. And, and I'm sure you know from uh, the work that you do, when you get down below the surface, you know, we all have our fears. We all have our phobias. We all have our, our, our aspirations and our chosen paths in life. And, and sometimes those paths are intentional. And sometimes we just ended up there by pure luck. And we're kind of wandering down the trail trying to figure out uh, why am I so bored with life and what am I supposed to do now? Mm. Yeah. You brought up two points. The first is transparency. So one of the things the listeners probably don't know, but whenever someone wants to come on the show, they have to fill out a form. And one of the questions I ask is what, what is the one thing you like most about yourself? And your answer was actually your transparency. And, and that really uh, piqued my interest because 
I wouldn't say it's, it's the thing I like most about myself, but I know it's definitely one of my, my positive traits or characteristics is that I'm very transparent and I'm the same. I, I tell people about my fuck ups, right? And I actually think it's the smartest strategy because when you put it out there and you let people know, like, this is what's wrong with me. These are my flaws. You, you take away a lot of potential ammunition, right? Because you've just said like, you, you, that's not a vulnerability anymore. It's saying, look, look, this is me take it or leave it. And so I really respect that about you. And the second thing is how you were saying, as men, we generally all share similar problems and challenges. Interestingly, I was talking to a woman the other day, we were having a debate about feminism. And one of my challenges with with modern third wave feminism is there's this claim that women are incredibly hard done by in the modern world and that men just get the red carpet treatment everywhere. And it's just not true. It, it just plain isn't true. Like being a man in the modern world can be very challenging, as you obviously know. And so I'd, I'd love to talk more about that if you have any any insights on either of those points, transparency or the, the challenges of men in the modern world. Yeah, uh, again, I think the tides have shifted politically and socially. And again, I'm, I've been married for 42 years. Uh, I have three daughters, one son. Uh, and seven grandkids. So I, I, I mean, I've been through a lot of the ups and downs and the way things are. My wife's a doctor of speech and language pathology. My other daughter's got her master's uh, degree from the Stockholm School of Economics and living in London and practicing her trade over there. And another daughter's a, a physician, an emergency room physician. And, and again, I think uh, from the perspective of having a career and raising kids, it's very difficult. I think it's more difficult for women because no matter where they are, they feel like they're in the wrong place. Again, I will agree with it from that perspective. And I don't want to leave out my middle daughter. She's an entrepreneur up in uh, uh, in New Jersey and has her own boutique PR firm uh, and also has, has a child too. So I, again, I think there's a, I used to uh, talk about life balance in, in my book, Clarity, how to get it, how to keep it, how to use it to balance your life. And now, Nick, I, I talk more about integration because I think at some point we're kind of all out of balance. Uh, you know, trying to figure out how to keep uh, all the things moving in our lives that ultimately create fulfillment. So, uh, you know, when I talk about guys and guys' struggles, I'm saying this from a perspective of a men's group I have helped start almost 32 years ago and have, you know, probably uh, talked with over 3,000 men. And when you sit down at a table and come down to it, you know, we all have that same struggle, either the struggle of living up to the expectations that we or somebody else put on us in life, looking at our life in the rearview mirror and saying, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing or is this what life is all about? Uh, I work with quite a few clients right now that are very successful from a worldly standard. And literally in the interview process of this one uh, gentleman, you know, who had it all from a worldly perspective, uh, you know, when we were done talking, I said, well, what do you need to hire me for? And he looks at me and he says, Steve, I have no joy in my life. And so, you know, I know in some of the other shows I, I listened to that you did, you talk about purpose and fulfillment. And so literally what I try to do is incorporate from my 30 plus years of working with men, uh, I, I've kind of found that 
the secret to success is is to five F principles. And actually, the working title of my new book is uh, "Let's Get Effed Up: uh, The Five Fs to Finding Fulfillment." And it's faith, family, friends, finance, and fitness times focus equals your fulfillment in life. And what I've found, Nick, is that if any one of those components are missing, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health vis-a-vis fitness, you're not going to be fulfilled. If you have all the money, but you left the trail of broken relationships, you're not going to have the the full fulfillment that you normally have. Uh, If you're making money, but you're not making a difference and leaving the world a better place, I just think the people I come in contact with, the ones that are seem to be most comfortable with in their own skin are the ones that have all those things working for them. They're not just about making money. They're about making a difference. They're about helping and serving other people on the way up the ladder of success and helping as many people as they can. And, and again, I'm real big like you are, you know, see one, learn one, teach one teaching other people how to do it. Look, I did it. I got through it. I overcame all these obstacles in life. And if I can get through it, uh, I can teach you how to get through it too. Uh, Because it's not if troubles come in life. As you know, we all face issues, whether they're relational, financial, emotional, uh, uh, you know, day in and day out. And uh, the question is, uh, you know, how are you going to respond to those situations when they come up rather than react to it the way most people do. Mm. It's interesting. You know, most of the quotes I, I spout are things I read somewhere else. So they come from others, but one of the few quotes that is originally mine is wherever there is overlap, there is truth. Or you could also say whenever there, wherever there is truth, there's overlap. And those five things that you just mentioned, the five F's from your book, let's get F'd up. There were fitness finances. What were the others? Faith family, friends, finance, and fitness times focus nice. equals, equals fulfillment. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting because in, and I'm not trying to be that guy who's trying to, you know, overshadow you or, or promote my own work ahead of yours. But in my book, I speak about all of those things. I have a chapter that devoted to all of those things. So there's obviously an overlap between us and the work we do, which I think is really cool. And uh, yeah, it just, it makes me want to find out more about you. I want to circle back to, the fact that you've been married for 42 years, which is, um, that's a while, man. That's, <laughs> that's, um, that's pretty impressive. And the first question that comes to my mind is how, how did you pull that off? I, I tell you what, it, it's, uh, I come from a family of, of, of eight kids. My dad died when I was 13 years old. I had a brother die a couple of years later and another brother that two weeks before graduating from West Point, captain of the baseball team was killed in an automobile accident. And so I I had a lot of tragedy in my life. And again, I bottled it up and I did what most people do. I let it out, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I played sports in college. I I, I was a tight end. Uh, And then my senior year, I got knocked out and total amnesia was in the hospital for a week. And ironically, my future wife was at that game. We didn't know each other. She was dating the quarterback on the other team. And she remembers the incident where I got knocked out. 
But we met uh, we met down in uh, Daytona Beach at Big Daddy's Lounge on Ladies Night almost 43 <laughs> years ago. And uh, there was just something different about her. You know, on our second date, I said, so what do you want to do when uh, with your life? And she goes, uh, well, I want four kids before I'm 30. I want to get my master's in five years and my doctorate in 10. And she said, what do you want to do? And this is the God's honest truth, Nick. I said, I think I want to marry you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, I, ha- I had no plan. And my wife is a, you know, lead follow or get out of the way type of person. And mm. we had four kids when she turned 30. Uh, she got her master's as a speech and language pathologist when uh, five years later. But she waited till she was 46 years old to go back to school and finish and get her uh, doctorate. It took her two years and she waited till our kids were kind of grown and out of the house. So I, I think, you know, from the get go, you know, people always say it's a 50 50 proposition, but literally it's 100 100 that we both have to give 100 uh, percent. We were surrounded with other strong couples that, you know, were good uh, mentors for us and, and taught us how to navigate through the minefields. And again, we had this basic premise uh, uh, from a book by Emerson Egrich. And the quote goes like this, not right, not wrong, just different. And and embracing the differences versus uh, pointing them out. And then I'm real big also on a former partner of mine wrote a book called The 4-8 Principle. And it's based on Philippians 4-8, basically, you know, whatever is good, pure, lovely, you know, think on these things. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that positive mental nutrition that you can look at your mate and find five things wrong, or you can look and find five things right. And the reality is you're going to find whatever you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, as you know, there's people in life that just have a toxic personality and outlook. And so we tried to surround ourselves with good people that were going to help lift us up. Again, I'm a firm believer, as I say in my book, that there's two types of people, people that are either lifting you up and closer to the person you're striving to become, or people are pulling you down. Uh, further away from the person you're striving to become, and there's no neutral ground. You know, they're either sure. uh, they're either positive uh, uh, contributions to your life, or or they're not. Yeah. And and don't and don't take it the wrong way. I, I have lots of people in my life, and there's lots of givers and lots of takers. But I really try to minimize the takers in my life. And forgive me for saying this, but I have uh, at 67 years old, I have what I call the no asshole rule. I just won't deal with difficult people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I I, I, hit, I hit that point um, just over a year ago. Yeah, there was someone yeah. in my life. I just realized my life is better when this person isn't in it. And 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 I from that point, I cut him out, and I became ruthless from that point forwards. Like if if someone is not a net positive, you're out. That's just that is what it is, right? And I respect that a lot. I was reminded of uh, while you were describing how um, you and your wife have managed to make marriage work. I don't know if you've ever watched a show called Dexter about that that serial killer who hunts serial killers. I'm sure if you if you ever watched it, but an interesting show. In in it, he there's a husband and wife pair of serial killers that he hunts down and then he traps them and, and he's got them tied up on these tables next to each other. And he's it's the weirdest thing. He's just started dating someone and he, and he wants to figure out how to make a relationship work. So he he's about to kill them and he starts asking them how do you, how do you guys make this work? How do you make your relationship work? And these people, it was it's such an interesting scene. It always stuck out in my mind. They're at this, this point of impending death and 
they're basically pleading for their lives. So they're obviously going to be pretty truthful at this point because they've got nothing left to gain or, or hide. And they say, we both want the same things for our lives. That's what they ended up. That's what they said. And that always stuck with me. And I, I realized that if you're dating someone, it's, or, or if you have plans to have a relationship with someone, you have got to make sure that you guys are on the same page and that you're both pulling in the same direction or else it's almost impossible to make it work. Uh, yeah, it, it's so true. And, and again, uh, I love the word intentionality. You know, it's being intentional. Uh, and literally, uh, we work really hard at our relationship. We actually took 50 other couples when I was in business with uh, my former New York Times bestselling author partner, Tommy Newberry. We did what was called a couples planning retreat. We would take 50 couples to this place called Blackberry Farm, which is one of the top small resorts in the country. And we literally would do a planning weekend from the perspective that most couples spend more time planning their wedding than they do uh, planning their marriage. And, and literally would sit down and help them be intentional on what they wanted to accomplish individually and collectively and have them map that out for the next year. And, and literally, it, it, it's just uh, was an intentionality of being specific. And, and, and again, I've learned over time. I wrote the book Clarity because I, I was one of those person that kind of wandered around most of my life without intentionality. And literally sitting down and writing that book was one of the hardest things for me. But the book is all about being intentional on a personal and professional level. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a, a phrase that we talk about all the time, write it down, make it happen, write it 100%. down, make it happen. You know, they say the average person has over 64,000 thoughts per day. And for men, it's even worse because 60,000 of those thoughts are about the same thing. Uh, and that, that, that's probably a whole nother show. So what you need to do is get that thought out of your head. And, and I'm sure you know this too. You know, when a problem's floating around in your head, it seems 10 times bigger than when you put it down on paper. Yeah. Uh, and when you have something that you're dealing with, it's just always magnified in our own mind. So mm -hmm. bringing it down and, and writing it down and coming up with a plan of action on how you're going to deal with it or how you're going to acquire it or how you're going to make it happen is the first step to really taking your life and your profession mm -hmm. to the next level. Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a little anecdote that I relate quite often on my show. So listeners, please forgive me if you've heard this several times before, but one of my friends, uh, one of my original spiritual teachers, he was explaining to me as a very high level Freemason. And he said at the highest levels of Freemasonry, one of their most revered symbols is a pencil because a pencil symbolizes the act. It's a magical act of taking something from the realm of thought into the realm of, of the physical through, through writing. And for me, it's been my experience that just writing something down, an objective or a goal or a task or whatever it might be, just the act of writing it down makes it, I would say, 80% more likely to be achieved or accomplished. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And also, as you said, it, it has a, a twin benefit, that second secondary benefit being that it is cathartic to write down when you, something's bothering you. I mean, I know I had an issue with my dad a few years ago. I was really struggling with it. And my sister just said to me, she said, just write a letter to him, but don't give it to him. And, and like, write everything that you want to say, the, the good, the bad, the mean, the nasty. And I remember writing that letter and it was, it was magic. It was literally magic. I, it, it really helped 
helped me get over that. So I'm, I'm so glad again, whenever there is truth there, or wherever there's overlap, there's truth. So we definitely overlap on that. I wanted to ask you, Steve, you, you were named Inc magazine's entrepreneur of the year. Uh, I don't know which year that was, but, um, can you tell me a little bit more about how that happened? And then I, I want to tie that into how you now describe yourself as a recovering entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. Well, well first of all, again, to, to second the record straight, I was I was nominated, uh, did not actually win it. And and basically my brother, uh, my brother and I started a company called Trillium Health Products. And we marketed a product called the Juice Man Juicer before anybody knew what juicing was and and took a $50,000 home equity line of credit. And uh, from he and I, uh, we ended up three and a half years later with 250 people working with us out in Seattle and were on a run rate of $100 million in revenue. Uh, when we sold the company. So uh, it, it, it was, uh, again, one of those things that was like an entrepreneur's dream come true when it started. And just to get all the accolades and the media that would come around, we had companies on the East Coast flying their corporate jets out to Seattle to bring us to their you know, headquarters in New York City to see how they could you know, be a part of the excitement and get more of our product. And, and literally, we had a couple of investment bankers positioning our company for sale and had an offer on the table for a pretty decent seven-digit figure. And, and two weeks before we were supposed to close, it's like the bottom just fell out of the market because we have, were spending several million dollars a month advertising and selling direct to consumers. It created a demand and brought in all kinds of other competitors. And literally there ended up being a glut in the marketplace. And I knew you know, that we had the best product out there because we really did it right. We weren't selling a juicer. We were educating people about good health and proper nutrition and supplying them with quality products and programs to live the healthiest life they could. And so we had we had six full-time nutritionists on staff. We really did it right. We had 40 uh, full-time customer service reps that would answer calls. And we really created a, a movement from this. So long story short, the business went from uh, the fastest growing privately held company, one of the top three in the US by Inc. Magazine standards, to the following year being one of the fastest shrinking companies in wow. the US. And so literally, that's where I kind of came up with uh, uh, the, the, the foundation for the five Fs, because what I found was that the most important things in life were the things that money can't buy, yeah. your faith, your faith, your family, and your friends. And I had all those things going into the business and all of that outside stuff when the business went downhill, all the CEOs on the East Coast stopped calling, the Jets stopped flying in, the reporters stopped coming around. Yeah. And it was like very fleeting. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-success. I'm all about helping people uh, make as much money as they can. But, but you know who your friends are when the chips are down. Exactly. And literally, if you can count those friends on one hand, you're a lucky person. And that's sure. another thing with men. Men, a lot of the men don't have a real close inner circle. They have lots of acquaintances. Uh, I've got a group of guys that I can pick up the phone and call if, if I'm struggling relationally, financially, mm. emotionally, and they've been with me in the good times, they've been with me in the bad times, they know everything there is to know about me, and they love me and encourage me for who I am. And, and again, what I a know gift. 
Oh, it is a gift. And, and I mean, that, that to me is, is really something to lean into, especially as you get older, to have people like that in your life. But few men, few men take the time to pour in and nurture relationships like that to allow that to happen. Sure. And especially as they get older and they start to have families and, and they move away from their, their hometowns and everything. It's, it's like America, especially I've noticed that it, it's uh, very often the case here because people move so much relationships can often be very surface level because there's never any like length with which to, to foster a deep connection. And as a man, one of the things that blew my mind is um, a friend of mine was talking to this. So he was, <laughs> this is going to sound like one of those things when a guy says a friend of mine, but he's actually talking about himself. I'm, I'm really not, <laughs> I'm really not talking about myself with this one. A friend of mine was talking to this uh, high level prostitute, um, like a, a working girl, like a, a very, an escort is probably a better word because she was, you know, really high, high level, very expensive. And she was explaining to him how what most of the men want from her is not even sex or sexual gratification. It's just, they want to be able to share their problems with someone who isn't their wife or their girlfriend, because they don't want to show weakness or vulnerability in front of their wife or girlfriend. And that always blew my mind. And I've started to realize, well, it's a theory I have at this point, which is that your girlfriend or your wife isn't the person to talk to when you're struggling with something. And I'm not saying you should go talk to a prostitute, but uh, for me, I go talk to my buddies now. I've realized like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have a long conversation laying my problems at my, at my woman's feet. I don't, I don't think that is conducive to, to a healthy male, female dynamic, to be honest. I'd love your thoughts on this, Steve. Yeah. Uh, well, again, I just had this conversation sitting around our men's group yesterday and talking about, you know, who is your go-to person when you know, the crap hits the fan uh, and something happens relationally, financially, emotionally. And, and again, somebody said, well, my wife is. And I said, look, uh, my wife is I we confide in each other, but there's also a lot of emotions in there and that there needs to be, you know, that male person uh, that you can go and open up to. And again, I, I used to joke about it, you know, that uh, uh, misery loves company. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm struggling with this. You're struggling with this. But but it's not from misery loves company. It's like, hey, I, I've been through it and, and, and I got through it. I came through this struggle, you know, whether it's an addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography. Uh, and again, I've heard it all over the last 30 years. There's really nothing that somebody can bring up that would, you know, shake me. Uh, and so as I deal with men and hear their stories, it's exactly what you said. It's like they're embarrassed. They think they're the only ones struggling with these issues. And so to be able to have somebody to talk to and again, to go pay a lady of the evening to basically have your cathartic moment is what some guys do because they don't know what else to do. And so, I, again, I, I, it kind of goes against, you know, uh, if you share those weaknesses with other men, you know, guys joke, oh, you're going to lose your man card. And yet, my, again, my reality is that if you want to be a real man, it, you have to be transparent and open up and deal with those issues so that you can uh, become the best uh, version of yourself at home, at work, and in the community. <laughs> so uh, I, I, again, that's what I try to do. I've been through a lot of those 
uh, issues. I've talked to guys that have been through them. I'm not a psychologist, uh, but at the same time, I have a network of people that I refer guys to if they're struggling with addictions, if they're struggling in their marriage, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I have a go-to person that is, you know, the best of the best in the Southeast where I live and where I'm from. And, and again, if I don't know it, I know somebody who does and how to deal with it. Yeah. That's awesome. I was thinking about how, when you said, um, like a guy worries that he's going to lose his man card, uh, if he displays weakness or vulnerability. And to be honest, I, I think it's quite nuanced. I, I think that is actually a possibility. If, if a guy is too weepy and emotional all the time and just can't get his shit together, you eventually are going to lose your man card. But I remember uh, one of the <laughs> one of the few fond memories I have of my ex-wife is, you know, she she was someone before me, she had just had this string of these super alpha dudes that she had dated, like VPs of Fortune 100 companies and high school quarterbacks and Navy SEALs and just like the most alpha of the alpha. And I remember there was a point where I was just crying in front of her about something. I don't even remember what it was about. And I just said to her, I didn't want you to see me like this. And she just said, Nick, you know, to be honest, sooner or later, all men are like this, <laughs> you know, and I, that always stuck with me. I was like, okay, that's, that's quite a, that was quite a cool thing because it, it, it took a lot of pressure off me. And I realized, you know, fuck, it doesn't matter how tough you are. Life's going to break you, man. It's going to break you at some point. And that's one of the things I have with this, this, there's this movement that a few of the, the, the guys in the, the men's masculinity movement, like the, their theory is that like, you've just got to be harder and stronger and tougher. And I get that. Yes, life does require you to callous yourself in certain ways and, and to become stronger and grow. But at the end of the day, like I, um, I actually mentioned in my book, it doesn't matter how much you armor yourself. Life will find the cracks in that armor. It will break you at some point. It's going to happen. And uh, like I said earlier as well, that's when you're going to find out who your real friends are. Oh, yeah. And and it's so true. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how well financed you are. You know, stuff happens. And again, I like to say it like this, you know, manhood means moving regardless of what's going on around you or how much life beats you down. You have two choices. You can stay beat down or you can get up and keep moving. And and literally, you know, that that's what I've done at every phase in my life. Uh, you know, through the good, the bad, the ugly, through the mistakes, through the successes, when people aren't around to see everything that's happening, it's keeping moving. You know, take imperfect action is better than perfect inaction, as Harry Truman said. And and so, again, I think part of being a man is is dealing with whatever life throws at you. And again, this doesn't mean that you don't stop to get help. That doesn't mean you don't go to a therapist. This doesn't mean you don't get counseling. This doesn't mean you don't, you know, uh, find people who can talk truth into your life. It means that you don't sit there and fester and let the problem overtake you to the point where you become addicted to something that you can't bounce back from. Uh, manhood means moving regardless of your circumstances and just taking it one step, one hour, one day at a time until you get back to where it is you're trying to go. And again, having good, sound, 
wisdom and advice from people you trust is one of the things I would encourage every man to have. If you don't have a relationship like that, try to find somebody. And like I said, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's an an intentional action to nurture and pour into somebody else's life while they're pouring into your life as well. Absolutely, man. Yeah. What that manhood means moving is absolute power. Thank you so much for that one. I mean, there's been so many gems in this conversation and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I know some of the listeners are going to want to find out more about you and your work. So where should they go, Steve? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just uh, steve at stevecesari.com. And that's the easiest place to do it. And that's my email address or stevecesari.com is my website. And I've got an info link in there as well. And I tell you, I, I remember I love books. And again, I know you're a, a voracious reader and have lots of, of books and wisdom too. But I had this little thing called the Dale Carnegie Golden Book of Rules. And, and literally, it's just about you know positive mental nutrition. And you can talk yourself into or out of almost anything in life. Uh, and you know this from the martial arts that you've done. Uh, and 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 so I just want to say, if anybody reaches out to me, I'll be happy to provide them with a digital version of this little book of golden rules, which has been something that uh, helped me almost, uh, gosh, 45 years ago when I was first exposed to it. And I still read and listen to it today. So uh, again, if you want to reach out to me, it's Steve at Steve Cesare. Uh, dot com. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, and if there's anything I can do to help you uh, as a man to keep moving, I'll be uh, more than happy to uh, encourage you, pat you on the back or kick you in the butt, whatever you need. Awesome. Steve, it's, it's been a, a really wonderful conversation. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Nick, and uh, hope we get a chance to do it again. There were so many gems in that one. Wow, what a what a cool dude. You know, Steve's a little bit older than me, but uh besides the marriage part, he's the kind of guy I I really envision myself being when I I hit that age. Just I think it's really interesting how look our bodies definitely change as we get older and it's something you have a little bit of control over using resistance training and quality nutrition and supplements and maybe bioidentical hormone replacement you can kind of slow your decline or at least maintain some of your powers of your body but it's never going to be the same as when you were 20 right it's just a fact but your mind and your being and your spirit can continue to develop and become stronger and sharper and more evolved and more expansive and i think men generally go one of two ways they either become smaller and degenerate and devolve as they get older you know they become locked in their own patterns and their habits and their ways set in their ways crystallized and frozen really or they continue to become stronger and more present and more capable and uh, they continue to grow and steve's an example of that and something to which i aspire and i'm sure you guys do as well I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the show. I will be back in a week with another episode for you. Until then, may the force be with you.